All right, all right, NBA Quick Pod is locked and loaded for Friday, February the 10th. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA professional handicapper, joins me on this fine Friday morning. I'm your host, Sleepy J. Today, Max gone through the NBA Friday card. Mackenzie will go ahead. He'll try to convince me of his best handicap. Mac will go ahead and give a handicap on a side, a total, and a player prop. I'll go ahead. I'll grade those on a scale of 1 to 10. Then I'll go ahead. I'll buy which one I believe is best. Mac, before we go ahead and get into the handicap, it's been a while since I spoke to you. I'm curious, how's your NBA season going this year? It's going pretty well. Uh, on a 6-0 heater, or at least a 6-0 run, uh, with my pregame.com premium material. So happy about that. Back in the green, up five units. But um, I keep thinking back to last year. It was right around this time that, uh, you know, football is over. Time to buckle in. Time to, you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And, you know, this is, this is what I do now. So I'm really happy about that. Well... I'm glad that football's over. I've been waiting for this, dude. Like, sometimes I just get worn out. Always seems to be the case for me with baseball. Towards the end of the year, tired. NBA, tired. End of the year. Same thing with football. So, football's kind of run its course with me, but now I'm ready to rock and roll, you know, with the NBA. My NBA season's actually going quite well. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Nice 6-0 and run. I'm actually on a 7-1 and run. So, it seems like, you know, now might be, you know, might be the time where we want to go ahead and hit our stride. Um, obviously, a lot of crazy things going on right now, Mac. Big trade with Kevin Durant. A lot of players moving places. Westbrook not in L.A. anymore. But you and I will go ahead. We'll lock down. We'll talk a little bit of KD at the end. But I want to hear your picks for today. I'm ready to rock and roll. Get some graded picks. I actually like quite a few plays on today's card. So you and I haven't talked. I don't know what you like yet. But what do you got for Why don't you go ahead and give me, a, why don't you give me one of your side plays there? Sure. And we kind of chatted in pre-production here and I think we might have a little bit of heat a little bit of friction on this one because I'm coming in hot I like the Dallas Mavericks plus two and a half you can get right now and I know what you're thinking well is Luka Doncic going to play the most important most valuable player in the league to his team I don't know I think it's about 50 50 reading the reports I get the inkling that he is going to play and the reason I say that is because when I was watching the Clippers game versus the Mavs he was he was hype you know he was amp he was doing the whirly bird he was he was uh into the new movement that Kyrie brings. And I think he wants to join as part of that as soon as possible. So there's, you know, two scenarios here. Either Luka doesn't play and then plus two and a half is probably a bad line. It probably bumps up to three and a half or maybe four. But if Luka plays, I firmly believe the Mavericks should be a favorite here. I'm catching a couple points. So that's the Mavericks side of the equation. On the Kings side of the equation, they've been so red hot for the last, you know, two months that I think people are kind of missing, you know, the last two weeks. Uh, last two weeks, they're 23rd on defense, 19th on offense. That's kind of what we thought coming into the season. So I know they're going to make the playoffs this year. At least you know, they got a 60% chance. And I know uh, Coach Mike Brown deserves credit, you know, getting these guys locked into what he wants to do. But I think the market's a little bit ahead of their skis as far as how really good this team actually is. Don't think they should be a favorite here, especially if Luka plays. What do you think? Um, my first thought was that I don't know if Luka's going to play. So it's hard for me to bet the Mavs. And then my second thought was that, let's say Luka does play with Kyrie on the floor. What's that going to look like? You know, is there going to be a little bit of a power struggle there? Is there going to be you know, kind of a feeling out process? You know, maybe a lot of confusion and things like that. And the way that the Kings have been playing, you know, throughout this entire year, especially with their starting lineup, like that's been intact for a while. Like they know what their game plan is. They know what their game is going to look like, what it should be, you know, versus all these teams and stuff like that. So, I think that they come out there and they could put a half decent game together. But you're right, though. You know, when it comes to Luka, 
he's the most important guy when it comes to the betting line is at least, you know, value to to his team and to the betting line. So here's my thing, Mac. I'm not, I, I won't play the Kings if Luca's on the floor tonight. Like I, that's just my feeling is that the Kings go out there and, and maybe um, I get lucky and the Mavericks don't look all that great right now with, with those two guys on the floor. Would it surprise you if they went out there one by 30 tonight? No. I mean, Kyrie could drop 40 and Luke could drop 40. That would be surprised. No. So um, it, it's not that I'm against the pick. It's just those were my original thoughts. I like your handicap. You broke down a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of eye-opening things there with the Kings. I'm going to go ahead. I'll give you a 7.9 for that. So 7.9, I'll go ahead. I'll stamp that uh, for your side play. What do you got for – What do you, let's go with a total here. All right, total here. I like the Spurs and the Pistons over 235.5. And, and this has everything to do with the players that are not going to be out there. This is what I call – an agent game where at the end of the year or maybe you know down the road the agent's going to be like hey man my man Malachi Brinham isn't going to accept a minimum deal he scored 35 in this game back in February versus one of the worst teams in the league you know what I mean like this is a game where the Spurs already the worst team in the league with a bullet are going to be without Trey Jones Romeo Langford Keldon Johnson and the rookie Jeremy Sokan that's I mean that's probably one of the worst least talented rosters I've ever seen assembled when you take the worst team in the league and remove four starters. That said, that means that the four guys that rarely get an opportunity like Devonte Graham, Doug McDermott, they're going to put up shots and they're going to, ha- I think they're going to worry a little bit less about defense. The tank job is already, you know, kicked off in, in fine fashion in San Antonio. Detroit kind of got there by accident, but I just don't see a lot of intensity. I think this is a lot of, um, you know, me, me, me getting my stats. I know Popovich doesn't like that, but he's, you know, he has a half a foot out the door at this point. Uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty much my basic handicap. I don't think this is an NBA game. It's more of like a scrimmage where these guys are going to want to show out, put some points on the board, not really worry about defense. So 235 and a half is not that much higher than average in, in today's NBA. And um, I think this is much less than average intensity on the defensive side. All right. Um, I guess I could be a little critical of the handicap but I can't be critical of the play. And I, I also can't be biased of the play either because I've been hammering Detroit and, and Spurs over Smack probably for like weeks now, cashing left and right. So originally on the surface, I like the play, but your handicap probably could be a little bit better. And that's what we're here for, right? To go ahead and make sure that we have the best handicap. So not only do you convince me, but look, there's probably a lot of people that are listening, right? That maybe they're not playing Pistons and Spurs over and cashing in the way that I've been. And they want that information. So I know that you have it. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to dock you a little bit. I like the play personally. So I'm going to call it 7.7. But personally, I might be betting that myself there tonight, Max. So you got you got me at least on your side with that. All right. I'll take it. Appreciate the feedback. Could have a little bit more numbers you know, tied in that. I'll, I'll see if I can make it up in pick number three. I'm just curious. As you were talking, as you mentioned McDermott, I'm like, I could just see. McDermott makes 31-foot three-point shot. I could just see that over and over and over again. Uh, speaking of players, you have a player prop left. This will be your final handicap. See if you get out and do the first two. What do you got? Yes, last game of the night, Clippers hosting the Bucks. Kawhi Leonard, a rare these days, you know, once every week or so rather than once every day, a game-off injury management game. And Paul George's point prop doesn't really reflect that, in my opinion. It's set at 24 and a half. And that's you know really where it's set at when Kawhi's out there. But clearly, there's going to be more opportunities when one of you know the two most important players on the team is not there. So I looked it up. 76 games as a Clipper, Paul George has played without Kawhi Leonard 
scoring 26 a game, um, you know, pretty much the same efficiency, just more volume. Like, okay, well, you know, it's a different season. What about recently? This season, it's gone up to 27 points per game in 15 games. That's two and a half points higher than this number. So I think it's just a bad line. Therefore, I would lean to the over automatically. The reason that makes it a what makes it a play for me is the Bucks and their defense packing the paint. Paul George has the perfect antidote to that. He loves no shot more than dribbling into a, a top of the key three, and that's what the Bucks don't mind giving up from t- from time and time. For those reasons, I like Paul George over twenty four and a half points. All right, what, this was one of the props that I was looking at early this morning, and I started to think to myself, "There, Mac, this is my thought." You have a guy like Bones Island coming in, Mason Plumley. Uh, you still, you know, you got Eric Gordon, Kawhi Leonard, you got Reggie Jackson, and all these other guys on on this roster. And it's like, well, who's the one guy that's always been there? Who's the guy that's always on the floor? Well, it's Paul George. I think Paul George goes out there tonight and makes a case, like, "Hey, Bones, you're, you're not taking any shots from me, dude. Neither are you, Mason, or neither are you, Eric. Like, you guys are here to to to, to plug some holes and 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 to do what we need to do to, to you know to get to that next level, but." I'm Paul George. I'm taking a lot of shots. And as you said, the 24 and a half, like that's on a normal night. When Kawhi's out, that number should probably be like, I would say somewhere around 27 and a half, you know, maybe even 28 and a half. But I think he probably gets into the 30s tonight. I don't think his production goes down at all. I actually think that that motivates him to increase it. So I like that one um, quite a bit, actually. You didn't have to even talk me into that. And I think the number is wrong. And I think that that's uh, one of the things that we're really trying to do, you and I understand that that number is wrong. So I think that that probably should be the best one here. So I'm going to grade that at an 8.2. Um, that's the one I like the most there, Mac. Nice. Nice. Appreciate the feedback. And uh, yeah, there's two things here. We want to win, but we also want to get better at winning. How do you do that? Prove your handicapping skills. Make sure your logic makes sense and make sure you got the evidence to back it up. All right, so we'll go ahead. We'll stamp that 8.2. That'll be the play that we go ahead and buy for our Friday. Mac, let's go ahead and let's talk a little Kevin Durant. That'll be our topic for today. I mean, it would be kind of stupid for us not to talk about it. You know, I'm sure that you have a ton of thoughts. I've had a ton of thoughts. And I'm just sitting here thinking and I'm looking through the championship odds. And it was funny. I was doing a podcast with my buddy Chris. And we're talking football, and he was like, breaking news. He's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what's that? He's like, Kevin Durant just got traded. And I'm like, get out of here. And he's like, yep, to the Suns. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So we're flying around, looking around. Uh, he got 8-1, to one, Suns win the championship, and, and I saw plus 480. So I got down on that a little bit. So that's kind of like where their current odds are at right now, like plus 450, plus 480. I guess my first question is, does Kevin Durant fit – with this team as to you as good as it does to me. Yes. And uh, I made this point on SOV AM. Uh, shout out AJ Hoffman, Scott Seinberg, produce a fine show, fine show every day. Check it out on your podcast feed, SOV AM. How many people you think are listening to this podcast that don't know that show? I don't know. Anyway, there's, there's a, dichot- a dichotomy that I hear over and over again. And it finally just crystallized for me this week. People always talk about, this player is going to work. This player is not going to work because this player needs the ball and this player doesn't need the ball. Five players on the court, probably three and a half, four touch the ball in a given possession. It never made any sense to me. Like, does Magic Johnson need the ball? But Cream needs the ball. They're going to give them. They're going to give each other the ball. That's how it works. That's how basketball works. It's a it's a game of interaction that way. 
I think the real dichotomy is, and when you talk about what works and what doesn't work, players that don't sh- can't shoot, very hard to fit into a team with other players that can't shoot. Players that can shoot are portable. They are plug and play. And Kevin Durant, maybe the purest, maybe most unstoppable because of his height, shooter in NBA history. So I was really bullish on the Golden State Warriors, ended up being the greatest team of all time. Uh, you see what he does in the Olympics. He comes in and he's clearly the best player, most important player, offense, defense. He's the perfect fit. With this Suns team, the fact that they didn't lose DeAndre Ayton, so they're not going to ask him to play center. The fact that they still have uh, you know, the best backcourt in the NBA, arguably, at least Chris Paul, Last year could have claimed that, you know, you know he's, he's, he's fallen off this year. But that's exactly why he works so well. Chris Paul, everything he does well, you know, above the shoulders, is still going to be there. And he doesn't need to produce scoring-wise when you have Devin Booker going at full tilt, when you have Kevin Durant going at full tilt. So as soon as they made the trade, and I realized that they didn't lose really anybody but Mikhail Bridges, they pretty much swapped out small forwards from, you know, a top 50 player to a top 5 player, if not better than that. Uh, I immediately thought they were going to win the West. I uh, still think that, you know, it's about two to one. Um, when, when you just look at, when I, when I just imagine a playoff series versus the Nuggets, for example, there's just so much more firepower in Phoenix's side. If if, if Jokic doesn't put up 40 a game, it's going to be really hard for them to win four out of seven. So I think, I think it's a great fit, and I think the Suns win the West. All right, I'm with you. Here's my thought, Mac. I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, Let's just go back to, like, I don't know, last year or the year before. Like, were the Suns ever the most talented team? I think you'd agree that that they weren't. But did they have the best system? Yes. They did. And I think that the system is is what is going to allow KD to just fit in. Like, one, one of his biggest issues when he was in Brooklyn was that nothing was, like, it just – there was nothing that worked. It was like, this isn't like NBA coaching. This isn't like what we're supposed to be doing. We got dudes just clowning around and guys sitting out with injuries. And it was like, what the hell are we doing here? And I felt like that system just didn't work. And, you know, I'll, I'll get in a little bit to, you know, the, the KD and the GM kind of situation. Cause I do have an important question with that, but like this is arguably, if not the best system. Like, how does this not work? The only way that this doesn't work is if the, one or two of these guys get injured. If Booker goes down, um, or or KD, or or even CP3. I mean, if, if even if Chris Paul goes down, like this team right now is built to win a championship. This system, I I believe, was always built to win a championship. But I think that's what makes this team deadly. Is that KD fits in here. Because he could probably fit in anywhere. But this is what he wanted, right? Like, this is what he was hoping in Brooklyn, that he ended up in a system that just worked with guys that work and guys that he could just say, let's just go out there and ball. The system is what worries me for the entire NBA. And if this works, it's going to work flawlessly. So I don't know if you sit with me on that, but to me, the, the Suns just have the best system. And now you 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 insert maybe the best player in the league. It's going to be It's going to be trouble. 100% agree. And they talk about... Monty Williams does the coach of the Suns three seconds or less where if you do, if you hold the ball for three seconds and you're not dribbling, you're not driving, you're not shooting, you're not passing, you're doing something wrong. There's a lot of teams that don't buy into that. Uh, That was during the 2021 NBA finals where it was a lot of ISO the Bucs did. And there was a lot of team basketball that the Suns did. Now the Bucs ended up winning that series coming back from an O2 deficit and winning in six. 
But the, the Suns were playing a better brand of basketball. They just had much less talent, in my opinion. And Devin Booker, I mean, let's compare those two teams. Yes, Chris Paul is probably, you know, a point and a half worse, two points worse than he was at that time to the line. Devin Booker might be a point better, a point and a half better. He's a lot better, at least he has been this season pre-injury, uh, than he was in those days. And, he, you know, he's that makes sense. Players at 27 are usually a lot better than they are at 24. DeAndre Ayton, he was a baby. I think it was his second year. You know, he hasn't blossomed into the superstar that he might have hoped for, but he's better than he was when they made the finals in 2021. So it's literally, okay, maybe Chris Paul's a little bit worse. Maybe Devin, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are better. That washes out. Literally the difference between the team that pushed the championship bucks to six and easily could have won that series if they got a couple breaks. If Giannis, you know, didn't go crazy hitting 18 out of 20 free throws or whatever in game six. Could have easily won that series. They were right there in every game. You replace Mikhail Bridges with Kevin Durant. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for the Suns as far as what they need. And it's perfect for Kevin Durant where he wants to lead a championship team. And now we can do that with, uh, you know, a championship level mentality. And you're right with Brooklyn. It was, I mean, it was a lack of a system. There was no system. It was, uh, we have a lot of talent and we'll see what happens. And, you know, that wears on a player. He talked about how, you know, they weren't really being coached the way that they wanted to be coached. Um, and, you know, they ended up switching coaches and they did better after that. But there was, there was a Paul, you know, in that facility, in that air, in that arena, it just wasn't right. Uh, so, you know, they got out like a Jordan Peele movie. Guy Irving's like, man, I'm so happy he got out. That, that was the quote of the quote of the year as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let me let me post this to you. So Dikembe Mutombo was traded from Atlanta to the Sixers in 2001. Sixers made the finals that year. Uh, in 2004, Rasheed Wallace traded to the Pistons. They ended up making it and winning the championship over the Lakers that year. I think this is way bigger. I think this is the biggest mid-season trade in NBA history, as far as uh, impact, and you know, we never know what's going to happen down the line, but impact to what we think the championship landscape looks like. I think this is the biggest trade yet. I'm with you. I mean, it's. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that's probably going. I mean, he's going to finish way above Dikembe. He's going to finish way above Rashid. You know, when when all said and done, probably have more titles than than those guys, all stars and all that things. It's just he's arguably the best player in the league. So. I mean, we can go back and look at all the trades that ever happened. I mean, I was funny because I was looking through uh, trades, like biggest trades in NBA history, and a lot of them were just, you know, preseason, offseason type stuff. Like, you know, where the New Orleans Pelicans are actually still getting picks from Anthony Davis, like in, in another two years, <laughs> they're still getting picks. So, you know, I know Brooklyn is, I mean, look, they're, they're not going to be a good team, obviously. I was actually looking at their TV schedule there at Tumac. They took all the Brooklyn games off. They're not. They're on. They got like one more TNT game, and that's it. And all of a sudden, I went and I looked at the Sun schedule. It's packed. ESPN, TNT, NBA TV. I was like, oh geez. But um, anyway, going back, uh, yeah, clearly this is you know this is one of the biggest moves, if not the biggest move that we've ever seen. You know, speaking of moves, I I do want to talk a little bit about like the the big three kind of situation that we've seen over all the years, like. Is this the the opposite end of the spectrum where uh, everybody was oohing and on and stuff like that? But this is like the bad end of the spectrum where if you let players kind of be players, it could work out. But when you let players be GMs, it could be bad. And the whole Brooklyn experience that was bad the whole way. So, and, and this is a I think that this is one of those things where the GMs actually can go and say like this is why we're supposed to do what we do. And this is why you're supposed to do what you do. 
I actually think that this helps the GMs in a, in a big way is saying like, let us do our jobs. You do your jobs. We could put the, you know, the, the, the rosters together. So this is just a bad look for for the players overall. Like the players can't like the fact that, that the Brooklyn experience blew up the way that it did. Well, it's a good point. It's a really good point. And you're right. Every single time that there's a player empowerment decision, people are going to be like, well, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, that was, you know, that was a lot of player empowerment that didn't work out too well, but let me push back on that because yes, uh, Kevin Durant FaceTime Joe Sy with James Harden. He said, hey, I want this to happen. And then boom, it happened. That's Kevin Durant being a GM. However, I don't think they went all in with the concept of player empowerment. And they, did, they didn't because they didn't pay Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was uncertain about his future going into this year, going into last year. That's very uncommon for a player that's a franchise player, a guy that you know people are saying they've given the organization over to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. If that were the case, that were truly the case, if they went all in with that concept, then they would pay the principal parties. That said, on the court, I'm not sure Kevin Durant was such a bad GM. Obviously, it blew up, didn't work, didn't work in any, any way, shape, or form. But the numbers numbers showed that they, they, they could play together on the court. They didn't. They got hurt, and then they got mad at each other, and then there was a COVID thing, and they ended up breaking up piece by piece by piece, all three of them demanding a trade request uh, at some point in their Brooklyn, ten, Brooklyn tenure. But if you look at the 15 games that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all played together, that's how that's how uncommon it was. Obviously, none this year. Harden was traded last year. But two years, 15 games, they had 123 offensive rating as a team in those games. That would be by far the best in NBA history. And shout out to RJ Bell. He asked me to pull these numbers, uh, so I have them right in front of me. On defense, they were average, you know, 112 net rating. They were plus 10. They were like the best team in the league. For 15 games and they ended up you know getting hurt in the playoffs and never really seeing what that trio could do over the last three years if you look at the other best trios Kawhi Leonard Paul George Reggie Jackson they're eight points better Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell Mike Conley obviously they broke up too another big three they were seven and a half points better um you know net rating wise so that's per 100 possessions Giannis Drew Holiday and Middleton they played 110 games last three years they're seven points better so you look at any big three Harden, Durant, and Irving were better. So what does that mean? Does that mean you, you know, it's too combustible that you know players that talented aren't aren't going to be able to get along or not get hurt? No, I think it's kind of just bad luck. But I think you know Kevin Durant having his foot on the line in that game seven that could have changed NBA history. Sometimes when these things happen, I just get the feeling you know the basketball gods were not into this team. The basketball gods were not feeling. Uh, you know, what was in the water in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, they just had bad luck after bad luck. I'm not sure. I, I think you're right. I think people will have the takeaway. Well, let's never do that again. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they made any, you know, huge mistakes um, other than, you know, the feeling, the, you know, not, not, the, not the on-court stuff, not like, oh, you should have got this player, you shouldn't have got this player. They just, there was never trust all the way around. There was not a circle of trust. There was the players... And then there was the, um, you know, the GM and the, and the owner. And, and, and that that divorce this summer, I mean, and this fall, my goodness, I, I would not be okay playing with a, with an organization that I didn't think trusted me. And that, in fact, I thought in some ways uh, defamed me. Uh, and I thought they did that with Kevin Durant this summer. I thought they did that with Kyrie Irving this fall. And 
because of that reason, I, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, this is what this is what happens when you give player empowerment. No, I don't think it's that simple. No, I don't think that that's what happens, but I think that that's going to be one of the the pushbacks from the GM is this is going to be, I agree. It's going to be, you know, that, that big example. I mean, let's not totally crush that team. Like they dealt with nothing but injuries and it was injury after injury after injury. I mean, how many games did they play together, Mac? I mean, they, they were lucky if they played 20 games together. They played 15 games, including the playoffs, James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Durant. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, injuries derailed that team and, you know, you had all kinds of crap going on. And then like once Harden wanted to leave, well, that was, you know, that was the beginning of the teardown of this team. Yeah, we thought maybe Ben Simmons, you know, could come in and help out. But, you know, it's crazy to, to think that that guy's by himself now again. I mean, we went from two championship potential teams to, you know, where he's at now. That that kind of stinks. But is he the Russell Wilson? Of, is he the Russell Wilson? Has there ever been an NBA player that's fallen off so hard besides Ben Simmons? I mean, it's like Russell Wilson in the NFL. He was good. Then he was not good. Now he's like not even a starter. It's crazy how far he's fallen. And he's not even likable. <laughs> No, I've, I've never I've never seen anybody that that went from, I guess, maybe, you know, being somewhat liked to, you know, not liked at all. But my, I guess my final point with with KD and stuff like that, Mac, is that at the end of the day, you and I need to figure out how we're going to make money and how we're going to help people make money, but avoid losing it. And and that was my concern was, are we are we oohing and on again with KD, with the Suns like we were when he was with the Nets and they put that team together? And I think overall is that it, it feels more warranted now. And and the one reason why is just because I think the system works so well for Phoenix. And now it's like, hey, if you can step in and do some of the things maybe defensively that, that Bridges was doing, that, that might be a big ask for a guy like Katie. But you add a guy like that like to this system, and it, this team just seems deadly. So I'm a buyer. I am certainly a buyer at plus 480 to go ahead and win the title. I I don't see any reason why making that bet isn't isn't bad for your portfolio. Uh, but yeah, could have got better numbers, of course, but you were never getting those numbers when KD was on the team. So I, I would endorse a bet here now, do it now before this team starts. Because we haven't seen what this team looked like on the floor, right? If they look really good on the floor, where, where do these odds go, Mac? Do they become... Do they become the favorite? I mean, the only team that has better odds than right now are the Boston Celtics. I think you go man by man, Suns are a better team. I mean, outside of Tatum and Brown, uh, there's no star power on that team. Where the Suns, after you get past their backcourt, there's still Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton to deal with. You know, obviously Kevin Durant being more important. So you're right. I mean, and this is the thing. I think we understand basketball and the NBA where we understand I mean, we've been talking about how Kevin Durant fits into that system, you know, seamlessly. The market doesn't really appreciate that yet. The market's going to be more cold and removed in their analysis. So it says, okay, on talent wise, they're the best team, but we don't know how it's going to fit. So we're not going to make them the favorite. We're going to make them the second favorite. Once it's confirmed that it does fit, I think you're right. I think they turn the favorite. All right. So one final question before we wrap this up there, Mac. We know Durant right now is dealing with somewhat of a, let's just call it an MCL sprain. He was projected to go ahead and be out until after the All-Star break. It looks like that's probably going to happen here. He's going to end up maybe playing 22, 23 games max with Phoenix. Is that enough to go ahead and and get this team gelled together to get them in the playoffs where we know the West is not going to be a picnic? Is that enough time, you think, for a guy like KD with this system to go ahead and and, and actually make a real run? Or do you think maybe it's the we're going to go out and do our best this year, but next year you know, we're going to make a big run? 
No, I think it's championship or bust every year uh, for the foreseeable future, but particularly this year because the Warriors, you know, they're going to be a lower seed if they do make the playoffs. They'll probably make it, but with Curry's injury, they're not going to be in a position, a very strong position. And then you go down the rest of the West and it's wide open. The Grizzlies are very young and very macho and very much uh, not experienced in the playoffs. I don't expect them to win three rounds in a row. The Nuggets, I have my questions. I think you win with guards in the spring. I think you need, uh, you know, level-headed, excellent guards to make those decisions down the stretch, um, which the Nuggets don't really have. It's tough to go through your center, um, you know, that when they can deny them late in games. So I think it's championship or bust right now. And I'll just say, I'll say, look at James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. They played 15 games together, but on the court when they played, I mean, they were dominating teams. They beat the Bucks by like 30 points before Harden got hurt. Uh, in that first playoff game. So uh, I think they've I think they been playing around each other, with each other. I mean, Kevin Durant's played with Chris Paul probably a thousand games, you know, pick up, Olympics, here and there. Uh, they understand each other better than uh, just their NBA experience. That's why I think it, it, it fits and it works quicker than people might imagine. Yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll certainly work quicker than, than people expect. And I think that that's why the odds are going to – I think they're going to spike on this team and, and plus 480 is going to be gone sooner rather than later. And again, you know, I've said it multiple times. I think the system is just going to, it's going to fit, it's going to work and they're going to go out there and they're going to start blowing teams out and be like, Oh shit. Um, yeah, we're in trouble. We, maybe we should have made a couple more moves at the deadline. So we'll see. It'll be interesting, but yeah, that was a uh, pretty impactful there. I, I knew we had to go ahead and talk about that, but that'll wrap up this edition of the NBA bet tank podcast. Here's what we're going to do guys. Mackenzie and I, now that the football is over, we got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Hopefully, you guys get all your picks and everything you need. Hopefully, you guys do well. We're going to go ahead. We're going to jump back into probably doing two Dream Pods a week. We'll do them on Tuesday. We'll do them on Thursday. And as far as the NBA bet tank goes, Mackenzie and I, we're going to treat that more of hobby. You know, big stuff comes down. Hey, what are you doing in the morning, dude? You got your coffee, breakfast, everything's cool. Let's go ahead. Let's jump on. Let's do a podcast. Let's do that. We'll do that for you. But that's kind of our goal right now. Get back to doing uh, two NBA dream pods a week probably on tuesday and thursday so be on the lookout for that make sure you guys uh, go over to pregame.com right now you guys use our code dunk 20 save 20 percent on any pick package that does include the super bowl i know mckenzie has a package up i have a package up so go ahead save yourself 20 percent. use our nba code there dunk 20 um that'll wrap it up so you guys know where to find us on twitter at mac and rivers at sleepyj underscore pregame you guys could always get us at the best sports betting website on the web pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Friday. Enjoy the games.